Are you seeking guidance to enhance your TRIO project's effectiveness and success? Look no further. Nosotros Education Center, NEC, is here to empower your TRIO project with expert consulting services. NEC's mission is to promote the effectiveness and impact of TRIO programs. Since 2003, NEC has specialized in providing professional development and in-service staff trainings, allowable cost services, for TRIO projects across the country. The team at NEC, with over 60 years of combined TRIO experience, offers customized workshops and seminars for project staff, compliance assessments, external evaluations, working on and submitting APRs, database customization and training, developments of policies and procedures manuals, and project implementation or reorganization services. Additionally, NEC has secured over $774 million in federal funding with a 92% success rate through their live and on-demand proposal workshops, assistance with data collection and review, detailed technical reviews, and comprehensive proposal development services. Join the hundreds of colleges, agencies, and TRIO projects across the country who benefited from NEC's expertise. Nosotros Education Center, your partner in TRIO's project success. Visit their website at nosotros.edu.org. Again, that's nosotros.edu.org. You are listening to Let's Talk Trio on podcast. Keep up with the latest episodes by downloading the Podbean app or stream episodes via our social media accounts. Search for Let's Talk Trio on Facebook or Instagram. This episode is sponsored by Student Access. Student Access, the leader in Trio software. Student Access is an online database solution that allows TRIO programs to track their students' information, connect with students by text messages, streamline the APR, and work from anywhere, all online, with automatic updates for changes from the Department of Education. Their technical support team includes former TRIO staff and has over 50 years of combined experience working with TRIO. Make it easier to focus on your priority, the students. For more information and to request a free demo, visit their website at www.studentaccess.com or call them toll-free at 1-800-801-1232. That website again is www.studentaccess.com or 1-800-801-1232. Be sure to share your favorite episodes on your social media by tapping that share button. This is a great way to support the podcast. Now here's your host, Juan Rivas. Thank you, Emilia, for the wonderful introduction. Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Trio. This is Season 6, Episode 2. I am your host, Juan Rivas. In today's episode, we have TRIO Talent Search and Upward Bound alumni from the Eastern New Mexico University Roswell is Josiah Davila. Josiah is on the podcast to talk about facing challenges, adversity, starting his own business, and creating opportunities. So coming up in just a bit, Josiah Davila. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Rosario Riley, Dr. Ryan Barone, Dr. Jamie Motley, Dr. Jeff Naputi, Angelica Valdez, 
Felicia Rivera, Jaded Electronics, TrioJobList.com, Nosotros Education Center, Cambridge Educational Services, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can be a sponsor of the podcast. Head on over to Patreon and search for Let's Talk Trio. Choose one of four patron levels. You can support this podcast for as little as a dollar a month. A dollar a month goes a long way in supporting this podcast. If you own a business and would like to run an ad on our podcast, send us a message at letstalktrio at gmail.com. Become a supporter with a one-time donation to the podcast PayPal account. Our business handle is at Let's Talk Trio. Any amount is truly appreciated. If you would like to nominate a participant, staff, alumni, or advocate to be on the podcast, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. Again, a great episode featuring Yosaya Davila with the Eastern New Mexico University Roswell Trio Talent Search and Upward Bound Programs alumni. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Five, four, three, two, one. Hi, Trio Nation. My guest on the Let's Talk Trio podcast is an alum of the Trio Talent Search Program at Eastern New Mexico University Roswell. He graduated from ENMUR with an associate's degree in applied sciences for occupational therapy. They currently work for the Department of Transportation and Highway Maintenance. They own a charcuterie board making business and they enjoy going to the gym. Welcome to the podcast, Yosaya Davila. Yosaya, welcome again to the podcast. Thank you, Juan. I'm, honestly, I'm very glad to be here and be part of this interview for the podcast for Trio. Yeah, thank you so much again for your flexibility, for being on here. And again, apologies. So to, to the audience out there, the way I, why I say again is Josiah <laughs> and I did a, a, a dry run through without even knowing it. I hit, I forgot to hit the record button. So Josiah, I appreciate your, your flexibility with that. But how are you doing? Uh, not bad, man. I mean, same old, just got back from work. I'm a little dirty, but here in a bit, I'll go much better. But Hey, we appreciate you just rolling in and being able to do this interview. Uh, how are things in New Mexico? I mean, they've been pretty good. Uh, we had a cold front last week, so that was great. I, I really enjoy the cold. I, I'm not a hot weather person at all. But this week, it's been it's going to be in the high 80s, so we're just... Man, I'm just wet. I don't know where this cold weather is going, man. I, I, I it's already <laughs> November and it's still summer weather. Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> but it's a little not bit crazy. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I know that uh, right now. I, I know in Colorado we're we're experiencing our cold. It's starting to get cold. Uh, it's mm. getting colder here. Uh, we already experienced our first bout of snow a couple weeks ago, so we're getting there. Um, so you're definitely you're from Roswell. Uh, I know a lot of people either have heard of Roswell, may have. Uh, have an idea of what Roswell is, but uh, can you tell us about your hometown? Tell us a little bit about Roswell. Tell us a little bit about you. So yeah, Roswell, I mean, one of the main things of Roswell is our tourist attraction for our alien museum for the mm. whole UFO crash. That's oh, just, that's right. You know, we'll keep the conspiracy <laughs> right. theorists on there, whatever, <laughs> but for us, it's just like, nah, man, there are no aliens here. <laughs> but um, so I was actually, I was born here in Roswell, but I was raised in Lake Arthur, New Mexico, which is about 35, 40 miles south of Roswell, heading to Artesia, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I was raised there all throughout my life up until I graduated high school. And after that, that's whenever uh, my sister Jasmine and I ended up moving here to Roswell. All right, right on. Uh, yeah. Can you talk to Miss? So at the very top of the uh, podcast, we said, 
charcuterie board making business. I was curious, how did that begin for you and how did you get started? So it was just a hobby of mine that I wanted to kind of just get a little money, extra cash, something that wasn't going to be too difficult for me to do. I I think of so many ideas at random times, like I could be sitting down watching TV and then I'm like, I should start doing this. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I actually came across the charcuterie board business when I was in California a few years back. And I thought it was really like very interesting. And it looked, it was like really well put done. And uh, I thought to myself, you know, I feel like if I make this, if I make, get my food serving license and make my own little business for it, People Mm -hmm. would actually buy it, you know, birthday parties, uh, Father's Day, Mother's Day, like the great festivities that there are. And so I started it in June just to, like I said, just to get extra cash. And I've had quite a few orders since then. So it's been going pretty good. I mean, I have my dry, my slower weekends or where I have no orders, but I'm pretty flexible for the most part when people do try to order. Josiah, congratulations on that side business. It sounds like it's thriving and doing well. Yeah, can't complain. <laughs> Absolutely. So between that, your job, and then going to the gym, because going to the gym takes a lot of commitment, right? How do you oh, achieve? Yeah. Yeah. So how do you achieve balance to go to the gym and manage your very busy life? Man, so my schedule has changed dramatically within the past few months. I recently left my former employer about three months ago. Mm. And before my schedule used to look like I would work nine to five, your typical schedule. And I wouldn't go to the gym until later from eight 30 to like nine 30, 10 o'clock at night, come home. Mm. And you know, that was my schedule. But, um, I picked up a part-time job as well at, uh, at a grocery store working in produce. So my hours there kind of varied. So I worked 12 to eight, uh, every day or the days that I was uh, scheduled. So I was mainly trying to go to the gym uh, in the mornings, not too early, but just kind of like in between my break period from getting ready for work. So, and I actually did stop going to the gym for about two months. I just, I was so overworked. I was drained. I was tired. And Mm -hmm. uh, weekends are usually the days that I leave uh, myself to make charcuterie, uh, my charcuterie boxes and boards, but, um, depending on what orders I get, Mm -hmm. because those are the days I have more availability and where I won't be super drained after work or trying to last minute, put a board together just to have it ready, you know, but, um, it's just timing really right now. I mean, with my new, uh, job that I just recently got, um, I, I won't be able to go to the gym until like after 6.30 or 7 o'clock at night. So oh. it's something that I have to navigate. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so let's rewind the clocks a little uh, backwards a little bit. Can you mm-hmm. tell us about your upbringing and how would you describe your fi- family dynamic? So my upbringing, I was, um, I was the only child from my family that was born in the United States. Mm. So my parents and my sisters, they were all uh, born in Mexico. So parents are immigrants, they immigrated over here. Mm-hmm. Um, my sisters, um, I want to, I think Jasmine was about two years old when they came over uh, to the United States. And my oldest sister, Jessica was about five or six, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. And so, you know, our, our upbringing, we're a very close knit family and I'm talking about like traditional Hispanic house. Like we spoke Spanish at home, but I was able to gain, uh, speaking English from my sisters because they were already attending school. And so 
I would speak Spanish with my parents, but when I came with my siblings, we were speaking uh, in English. So for me, I didn't really have a difficult time whenever I did start going to school. Um, my parents, like we were raised Catholic as well. Like, literally every Sunday, we could never miss a Sunday mass or my mom would wake us up. She would drag us out of bed, even though we didn't want to. So <laughs> we were, we're a very close dynamic family, um, typical religious Hispanic background happening <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, how would your family describe you oh that's a good question actually i i feel like my parent like my family would uh, label me as energetic um i'm very stubborn at times i'm super stubborn, stubborn. uh <laughs> yeah i mean i guess it's an, an, an i take advantage of it in good mm -hmm. ways and not necessarily bad, but definitely a courageous and um, valiente, like super brave. I, I would mm. say that that's how they would describe me. Do you remember your early days in grade school? Well, how was that experience like for you? Oh, yeah, honestly, I have a great memory. I can rem I remember the first day that I even started going to Head Start and mm. my first day of kindergarten. I remember ah. it vividly. Uh, I even remember what I wore, like what, like my experience. Uh, I was that child that. You know the like you know when parents drop off their kids for the first time at school and parents are very emotional because and the kids are emotional because they don't want to be around a bunch of strangers they want to stay with mom i was a complete opposite the minute my mom dropped me off i was mm -hmm. pushing her out the door i'm like all right you can go like leave me <laughs> i am free like i can do whatever i want so um my early uh, childhood years in school um they were honest i had a blast in elementary i honestly don't necessarily remember having a really bad time in mm -hmm. elementary school um we were in a small little community i didn't have more than like 10 students in one in my class so and a lot of them were family friends we already knew each other so it was it was a pretty good upbringing whenever we were in school um all of us together um i do remember though i've had such a difficult time with school as well as long as i can remember remember i always struggled um i didn't know it at the time now that i've recently been di diagnosed with adhd mm -hmm. um, i was labeled as that kid that was disrupt disruptive i was always talking i was always off task i was uh like just disrupting the other students so that was always the first thing that when we had parent-teacher conferences, the teachers would comment to my mom about that. That was like the immediate first thing. And I remember like, I didn't really understand it at the time, but the older I got, it was, it's kind of sad because I never heard very good positive things immediately. It was your child is very disruptive, mm -hmm. but I wasn't getting the help if that makes sense. So I struggled a bit. So I, I had my downfalls, but I had my, my good, my good memories as well. Absolutely. I'm sorry that you had, uh, didn't have like that very positive uh, reinforcement with, with the teachers. It, fe it feels like uh, that the energy that was being displayed was like, that could have been redirected and uh, they could have helped you grow in, in that area. But oh, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, no, it's all, it's all good. I feel like we all take things and we learn from them now that we're older. But I mean, you can't really change what happened in the past, but it is what it True. is. Yeah. Uh, did you have a favorite subject? Honestly, my favorite subject was either physical education 
of course mm-hmm. i i'm i love sports that and uh science class like any like with biology i was very interested in mm-hmm. only because it was a very hands-on subject especially whenever like in high school and we started dissecting animals and you know doing a lot of hands-on so it caught my attention much more than just any other subject honestly right. yeah so how did you find out about the trio talent search program or did they find you honestly i knew about it since i was in elementary and oh, wow. the only reason the only reason was was because jessica because i was I was about like in third or second grade when Jessica started attending Upper Bound. Mm. And so I, I mean, I, I knew that she was in a program because she would have to, she would have to get picked up in a bus and they would bring her here to uh, Roswell to the campus and then they would take her back. And I was always like with her and my mom when they would do the drop off, but I didn't know what the whole point of Upper Bound was as a, you I know, see. young child. Yeah. But um, then whenever Jasmine started going, I was already in middle school. So I kind of started getting a better idea of it. And mm-hmm. um, I, we all had the same director that ran the Upper Mount program. So oh, she man. got to meet my sisters and myself and plus the assistant director as well. So I, I learned a lot of it from my sisters firsthand. And then once I actually got introduced to it when I was um, in eighth grade, I believe, and I was actually able to talk to the director and she kind of broke things down for me, what it looks like, what the, like, what the classes were going to be like. Mm-hmm. It gave me a better advantage and to understand exactly the whole program and what it did for like the students that were planning on going to college. So I'm um, sorry, I almost spoke. So you were, you were part of the trio upward bound program. Mm-hmm. Right on. That's amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. What is uh, kind of a favorite memory from trio upward bound or what do you remember most about the program? Honestly, I made it was such a fun time. It not just experience wise, like trying to prepare yourself for college, but the friendships that we made with other students from different schools. So it was I I enjoyed it very much, and um, I also enjoyed the fact that whenever I would come to Oprah Bound, we had classes, and a lot of the classes that we would have, I felt that. I was educated much more than I was being educated back at my regular school in Lake Arthur because mm-hmm. they were so understaffed. We had low budgets. They couldn't even afford for us to have the right teachers or even have teachers. Majority of my classes I had to do online because they couldn't afford any staff. Wow! And so for me, I, I struggled a lot. So being able to be part of the upper round program, um, it gave me that advantage that I needed to learn more. And so I had teachers that broke things down for me, that explained things to me that I didn't understand. And it was kind of hard too, because the work we were doing for Upper Bound was much more advanced than what we were doing back at my regular school. So it was kind of navigating through both, but it still gave me that great experience of actually being taught correctly right on was college something you gave a lot of thought about some thought about or a little bit of thought about yes yes and no but i felt on um, honestly whenever i was in high school i feel that because my sisters they paved the way for me because they've always been my role models they since 
since I was younger and I look up to them and till this day, I still do. I, you know, I, I honestly don't know what I would do without them, but because they paved the way uh, of being in college and me experiencing and seeing them going to class and completing everything, I felt the pressure really bad mm. and I felt very discouraged as well because both of my sisters were very highly educated. They were book smart. And I'm not saying I'm not book smart, but I struggled so much when it came to uh, education, like the education portion of school. Mm-hmm. And so I was very uh, discouraged in that because I felt a lot of the time I was being compared because I mm. witnessed it and I've heard it from previous teachers that they would compare me a lot to my sisters or say, mm-hmm. you know, your sisters are really smart. Like they have straight A's and you, you, you're struggling, you're barely passing with the C or you have an F. And so it, it was very discouraging and upsetting at the moment. Not that I had any animosity towards my sisters at all, but it's just, I was much different and I knew I was different. And um, so for college, it scared me a little bit mm-hmm. because part of me felt that I wasn't going to be able to do it. And part of me was like, well, I need to do this so I can make my family happy because if I don't go to school or if I don't get an education, I don't want to be labeled as the family um, and like the embarrassment of the family. Mm, And you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because both my sisters were high honor students, valedictorians of our school. And I was, I was not an Mm. educator. I was not, I wasn't great at school. (laughs) So did they help you in any way, figure out kind of your path? Oh, absolutely. They would always give me ideas there, you know, cause when I was kind of uh, figuring out exactly what it was that I wanted to go to school for, because I honestly didn't even know. I just was trying to think of what was easier, I, I guess you could say, or something. And so they would tell me, okay, well, they, they helped me figure out with my with FAFSA because mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. school didn't have a guidance counselor that helped us at all. So luckily it, that they helped me with that. And um uh, they just kind of gave me ideas like what it was exactly that I wanted to be. And when I first started going to college, I actually wanted to be in correct, like be a correctional officer at the time, oh, or, like okay. criminal justice. And I was like, if I start my way down, I can work my way up. Maybe I can be a detective. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my mom kind of got in my head and told me that it was a very dangerous job that they don't pay well. I was going to I was never going to be home with my family. Mm. And so I ended up changing it. And uh, I ended up changing it to uh, nursing just Mm -hmm. because in high school, I took a CNA class for a a college course. And it wasn't too bad because uh, I learned hands-on, like I'm a hands-on learner, like from I can pick up anything. So when I started doing CNA, I picked that up right away. And I was like, okay, I think this is something that I can get into. But when I actually started taking the classes in person on campus, I, and I, I actually think too, that the time period, like it was, I was off. I was going through a lot mentally during, mm-hmm. uh, when I started going to college and I didn't put my a hundred percent effort in school at all. Mm. So, um, I, reached out a lot to my siblings and well at that time I was living with Jasmine so she was witnessing all of this unfold and you know she she would give me advice and 
tell me, okay, we'll try doing this or, you know, that. But it's still, I was actually put on academic suspension <laughs> when oh, I wow, first yeah. started going to college. Yeah, mm -hmm. because my my focus was not in school during that time. And I was I was a young teenager. I was 19, fresh out of high school. I was out of my parents' house. My parents were very strict. So I was living it up. I was also partying. I wasn't making good choices either. So, mm -hmm. yeah, my mindset was just, I, I had my priorities mixed up. And I believe once I went on academic uh, suspension and I took a whole year off that I couldn't go to school, it kind of opened my eyes a little bit and it freaked me out. And I told myself, okay, well, this year I just need to focus on working. I need to focus on saving. And once I go back and write that appeal form and if I get accepted back, I can't fail because mm -hmm. then that will lead to my expulsion and I mm -hmm. can't go anywhere. It's not going to look good on my record. Mm -hmm. And I ended up changing my degree after that to occupational therapy. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Uh, what kind of, what, what was the inspiration behind uh, getting that degree or going for that degree? So I was actually working for an app for a daycare and I was there. That's my former uh, job. Actually, I was there for eight years on and off mm -hmm. and working with children. You know, it was I, I was really great with kids growing up. I was, I would babysit kids from time to time. So I was like, okay, well, you know, this job will help me. Like I'll be able to save up a little bit. And it was a lot. Like I was able to engage with occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech therapists, because a lot of the kids that attended the, the facility or the learning center were receiving early intervention uh, therapy with the, because the company that I worked for had an early intervention program. So a lot of the therapists would go to the daycare and they would give therapy uh, to the one-year-olds or some of the two-year-olds uh, that were there. Mm -hmm. So I kind of worked with some of the therapists and I saw what they would do. I saw everything. Mm -hmm. And one of them had actually told me that they had the program here for occupational therapy. And I, at this time, I didn't even know what occupational therapy assistant was. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm really good at working with kids. You know, I have plenty of patients, been doing it for a, a while. Maybe this is something that I can do as well. Maybe nursing is, isn't fit for me. Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, like they told me everything about the program from uh, here from campus. I started kind of looking at it online, what their classes look like, um, what their uh, degree plan looked like. So I was like, OK, so once I'm able to write that appeal and go back to school, I'll change my major and work on getting the classes that I need to get accepted into the program. Mm, right on. All right, so I know we skipped ahead a little bit for the college, but I yeah. wanted to quickly backpedal a little bit. Can you give us like an overview of your high school experience and what preparations did you make to get ready for college? Oh man, honestly, high school, high school, I hated high school. I had the worst experience with high school mm. on top of, you know, state me stating earlier that we didn't have the proper education because our school was low budget. We, they couldn't afford the proper teachers to teach us. So navigating through school and, during that time, I was also going through a lot, trying to figure out who I was at the time mm -hmm. with myself, sexuality base, um, everything. So it navigating through all that together, just 
made it much worse. Mm-hmm. And I think what kept me afloat in high school were sports. For me, mm-hmm. sports was my escape to everything. Once I was playing or once I was at practice, I wasn't thinking about anything except being the better athlete. Like I was, I'm a very, I was a very competitive person. And mm-hmm. for me, that was my goal was I'm going to outbeat this person. I want to be better than this person. But on, on top of that, I want to be better than I was yesterday. So I would bust my butt day and night when it came to sports. So I think for me, sports was the best portion uh, besides upward bound, being an upward bound. Because an upward bound, um, I was able to get inspired too by the other staff and teachers there. And not just them, but seeing all these other students that, <laughs> I mean, it was a culture shock because I thought the kids in my school were smart and we have these other students that, you know, straight honors classes, they mm-hmm. know their stuff, they know their material and they were tutoring me. And uh, so I had, my, I had his pros and cons. I, I'll yeah. say that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about the moment you graduated from high school? Did it feel like a like a weight off your shoulder just being able to be free from uh, like a lot of that kind of uh, educational pressure? Honestly, no. I felt oh. like I, I felt worse. I when I graduated, mm-hmm. it didn't hit me until I got home after my graduation. Like as soon as I got home after my graduation, I guess it's because I was very comfortable when school and because majority of the students that I grew up with, we all grew up together since we were in Head Start. And from there, as soon as I got home, I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm never coming back. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to play sports again either. So I was, that was another upsetting part of of me was that, you know, yes, I could, I could still play sports, but physical contact, like high school sports no Mm -hmm. that was never going to happen again Mm -hmm. and so uh that's also kind of when the pressure started kicking in because i had two choices to choose for college either go to eastern in portales or here because they were the only colleges that i got accepted for because my gpa was well it wasn't very well it wasn't it wasn't good at all so i felt a lot of pressure during that time and i I still couldn't make up my mind what I wanted to do. And I was trying to jump the gun sometimes too, or I was just kind of taking it day by day at that point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, For a lot of students that uh, graduate after, after high school. And and, and I think I'm making a huge assumption. So please correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) They tend to like, right. Go into like a, let me, let me start off at a community college to see if I can gain my footing again, because Mm -hmm. high school there, the the high school experience might've turned them off so bad that they're like, you know what, let me start it off at a community college to see if I, Mm -hmm. if I can gain my footing again. Was that something that you experienced? Like uh, going to ENMUR was like, hopefully trying to try to try to gain your footing. Honestly, no, because to me, it didn't matter where I was going to go because I was actually going to go to Eastern in Portales. That was my main because mm-hmm. Jasmine was still there. We, the Jasmine and Jessica went there, and so they were familiar with the town. If I would have gone to Eastern, I would have still been going to school and living with Jasmine still like while she was attending college there. Mm-hmm. However, the reason why I stayed in Roswell, and it was probably a stupid choice of mine very dumb choice but um my ex well at the time when i was still in high school she kind of 
manipulated me and gaslit me a bit because she lived in Artesia, but she was way, way older than me. So when I told her that I was going to try to, when that I wanted to go to Portales, she kind of made it into a, a sob story. Like she never was happy that I was ever going to, that I was going to college just to begin with. She was never happy for me. And so she, she turned it around and said that she wasn't going to trust me because I was going to be far, that it wasn't going to work. And you know, that if I go that we can be together. And so me being gullible, very naive at, you know, 18 years old, I was dumb. And I said, all right, well, you know, um, I can still go to, uh, to campus in Roswell. I said, we'll be closer. And I mean, all for what it, it didn't work out anyway. But mm, um, honestly, I mean, everything happens for a reason. Um, I was still able to still live here with my parents. They helped me out a lot still. Um, but again, I, I don't know how the turnout would have been if I would have gone to Eastern and Portales. Maybe it could have been a, comp- a different turnaround, but um, I don't look back and regret it either because community, a small community college, you can still get a really great degree and they have really well, like they have great instructors here too. So I wasn't complaining, even though I stayed here. <laughs> Okay. So earlier in the, in the podcast, you, you talked about a personal journey uh, of self-discovery. Um, yes. We talked a little bit before the show to see if uh, yes. you wanted to share that. Would you like to take this yes. moment to share with the audience what that was, what that journey for you looked like? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a transgender male. So I started my transition in 2018. Mm. And this also relates back to how I was talking about that I had a lot of problems in high school with trying to figure my self-identity, my sexuality. So I knew at the time, like I was into girls at the time. So in high school, because I am a female to male, uh, at that time I was labeled a a lesbian. So coming out was very difficult to begin with because Mm. I come from a very, you know, religious Catholic background with strict Hispanic parents. And so for me, um, you didn't really like, I knew what lesbian and gays and bisexual people were at the time, but I didn't know of any other lesbians around me. And so I didn't know how my family was going to take it when I was in high school, when I did come out. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was it was difficult. And luckily, I'm, I'm blessed that my family has been super supportive of me throughout my entire life. So that has helped tremendously. Um, but after I came out and, you know, I was able to be comfortable in dating the people that I was into, I still felt very... I don't know, like it's it's a it's a very hard and complex way to describe. I still didn't feel whole. Mm. Like I always felt that something was missing, but I just didn't know exactly what it was. And so um in high school, I did change my look so many times because I wanted to fit in so I wouldn't cat like draw attention. Mm-hmm. I didn't want people to think that I was, you know, a lesbian or catch on because I didn't want people to judge me or make fun of me. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so once cat was out of the bag, nobody really cared. So they knew and they supported me. So I was like, all right, whatever. But once I graduated high school and I started kind of, you know, becoming a an adolescent, young adolescent at the time into adulthood, that's kind of when it the feelings were deeper. And so I used to have long hair. I I was already dressing like a guy already, 
And mm. I ended up cutting off my hair. I believe I was like 22, 21 at the time. And I think that's kind of when I started accepting what was going on, but I still mm. didn't know because this stuff wasn't really spoken about yet. Not like how society is today, like mm-hmm, where it's mm-hmm. super open and accepting. And so I did about a year and a half research, just trying to figure out what it was that I was feeling. Why was I feeling this way? Like I thought, and I didn't want to, I don't know, like I felt like I was kind of going crazy for a minute, mm-hmm. but I was able to come across, you know, a video of another uh, transgender male. He was telling his story on his YouTube channel. And that's kind of when I finally accepted it because everything that he spoke about in his coming out story was like, I was checking off a list, like check, check, like Mm -hmm. that's me, like check, check, check. His entire entire upbringing to what he felt throughout his whole entire life up until him coming out was exactly spot on with what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I can't, I continue doing more research, just trying to navigate through that because it's a process to start your transition. You have to find a therapist. You have to find a, um, you have to find a doctor that can treat you and uh, prescribe you with, you know, HRT. And so, I remember I was taking a psychology class. It was a like late night class and mm-hmm. I was still living with Jasmine at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were like, we started talking about, you know, bisexuals, what transgender people were, lesbians, all of that. And immediately I was like, I need to tell somebody like, I, I, I need to, I need to open up. I need to let it out. Cause I hadn't, I hadn't told a soul yet. And as soon as I got out of class, I, I texted her. It was like 9.30 at night. And I told her, I said, hey, when I get home, we need to talk. And immediately she told me, is everything good? And I said, yeah, like it's, it's, not, it's nothing bad, but I have to tell you something about me, but it's not bad. And immediately she replied back and she told me, she's like, you're trans. And I remember I kind of like, like I froze for a second. I don't remember if I ended up calling her. I think I did call her. And I told her, I was like, who told you? Like, like, who knows that? I don't know. I haven't told Mm -hmm. anybody. Mm -hmm. And she, like, she, she knows me. Like Jasmine and I may be three years apart, but we have like twin similarities like she can tell you exactly what i'm feeling what i'm thinking we will say the same thing at the same time when we're around each other we're in sync mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. immediately she just told me she's like dude like i've been knowing this she's like we live together and she's like you cut your hair out of nowhere like you just your whole appearance changed she's like you look happier and she knew about it because i think she had a like a, a friend in college too, that he had transitioned. So she was already educated on this. Mm, and mm. she told me that she didn't want to confront me about it without me coming to her about it first. She didn't want to step that boundary. And so immediately she was like, she's like, don't worry. She's like, well, we're, we're, we're going to get through this all together. She's like, if you need help coming out to the parents, she's like, I'll be right there with you. Mm. And I freaked out because, I said, like, I got to come out again. Like the first time was tough enough, but this time is going to be worse. Mm. And uh, it went by really smoothly though. My parents, like I said, everybody has been very supportive. Um, 
they've never like disregarded my feelings they've never made me feel guilty about the way i felt if anything my parents kind of saw it coming too because growing up i was not i was that i was that little girl growing up at the time that never liked playing with dolls i never liked to wear dresses i never liked pink nothing no, nothing like that i was always playing video games playing with action figures i was outside in the mud in the dirt playing i was always with my dad just wanting to work like mm -hmm. outside just doing something mm -hmm. and you know so i guess for my parents they kind of you know they're like you know like we saw this coming like this it makes sense mm -hmm. and so yeah i mean it's it's been an uh it's been a roller coaster over the past five years i to say the most it's been yeah. a crazy ride but um with the help of you know getting counseling therapy navigating through everything um support system as well it's gone great and i honestly cannot i i feel great I, being yeah. able to be in my own body and being who i truly was meant to be it means everything and it's definitely something that i wish i could have started earlier in my high school like when i was in high school but mm -hmm. um I felt like it was supposed to happen this way and you know it's 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 turned out great wonderful thank you so much josiah for sharing your story with us uh and especially that personal journey i know that it can be very tough to sometimes discuss yeah. or for some others it's very very easy to discuss but we appreciate yes. you sharing your story so kind of getting back into the college track of this discussion uh what did you hope that the occupational therapy degree would do for you uh for your associate's degree I honestly thought it would make me feel successful. <laughs> and again, it, this plays in, in the big role, like I had mentioned earlier, that the pressure was on. I just wanted to, I felt that if I do this, if I pass, I will prove a lot of people wrong, not mm. just other people, but myself, because I did it. And when I thought that I wasn't going to get through it and, yeah. um, it was a it's, it was an amazing program. I was honestly blessed with uh, my classmates that I had because we we all we became a big family, and I, I'm still in contact with them to this day. Oh, Our instructors were were amazing too. Like me, we had a, he, he was he was strict, like military strict. But Whoa. this man, like I give my <laughs> I give my hats off to this man. Like he he helped so much with um, explaining, breaking things down, but um being able to receive my associates i thought okay you know this is where my life's gonna head out and here i i am two years later and i'm that's not even what i'm even doing right now yeah so talk to us about that yeah because you're uh, currently with the department of transportation so what what do you do so i work in highway maintenance um this is actually my second week um it's been oh, wow. it took a, yeah it took a minute for me to well i had i had found out that i was ex uh um, that I had gotten the position about three weeks ago, but the state takes a while to do paperwork and get. Oh my gosh, I know going. it. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I I got lucky. I got in really quick. There's been other people that have. It's been like three, four, eight months until they were able to start. Wow. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I I believe the switch happened because my initial to changing my 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 degree plan to occupational therapy was because I wanted to work with children. Mm -hmm. I quit working with children about two months, three months ago, 
and I told myself I was never going to work with kids again. I guess I got burnt out. I mean, it's for over these last eight years, I, I did get burnt out a little bit. I kind of started noticing my patience level. It just, it wasn't, it's not like what it used to be before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's a, it's a very challenging, um, uh, career. Honestly, it's, it's tough. And, um, I wasn't receiving the proper benefits and the right pay that I deserved. Mm-hmm. And even in occupational therapy, I still needed to pass my my national exam to be certified uh, occupational therapy assistant, and I only took my test twice, but I never passed it, and I was just kind of like pushing it to the side because I was dealing with, you know, with other things here at home and figuring out okay because my fiance and I wanted like we were planning on moving to Las Cruces so Mm -hmm. my focus was not in my studying it was more you know saving if we were going to move but things didn't end up happening that way Mm -hmm. and so once I left I was just kind of like okay there's the only like around this area (laughs) for occupational therapy there's only working in early intervention which is working with children or infants and toddlers from zero to three years old are working in the school system and i'm like i told myself i don't want to work with kids anymore the, this this is not the setting that i see for me mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it changed my whole way of thinking and i said okay i mean i still have my degree but maybe right now is not the right time for me to start working in this right now mm-hmm. and again i'm a hands-on learner i i'm, I'm all hands-on and so I spoke a lot with my fiance about it. And right now she's currently going uh, to school for nursing. And I told her, I said, I need to, I need to find a job. Like now I need to find something that's going to be able to provide. And so um, a a coworker of mine that from the grocery store that I work at, she works for the DOT as well in the main office. So she was the one that told me, cause I had mentioned to her that maybe like I'm, I should try to get my CDL license. Mm -hmm. And she told me, she's like, apply for the DOT, heavy high, uh, highway maintenance. She's like, you know, you're working with equipment. They'll train you and pay for your CDL. She's like, you just got to do the studying. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I mean, I'm luckily I got in. So yeah, we, so for highway maintenance, we focus more on um, fixing guardrails, fences. We do traffic control. If there's like an accident, I'm currently working in Carlsbad, so it's an hour away from here. So wow. I have to leave early in the morning, and I get back around 6.30. Wow. And, yeah, but benefits are great. Pay is great. Like, I am, I'm not complaining one bit. And so it, it's a lot of hands-on work, and that's – and I honestly, I love it. I, I love doing it, and the fact that they train me, they show me, I'm able to do it myself – Mm-hmm. and pick up on it yeah it's a it's a it's a fun job for me i, I like oh, that's it. good yeah I'm glad you're so so um is this do you feel like it's going to be a stepping stone to something else that might lead uh into a, a different position for you well the plan is yes because i don't plan on leaving the dot anytime soon like at all i i feel like me being able to get my cdl and in a few years, you know, hopefully to get ranked. Right now, I'm at a basic training because I don't have my CDL and I'm barely new. Like, I'm they're training new, me new. from yeah. from brand new. Yeah. So once I'm able to receive my CDL, um, mm-hmm. they'll 
up me up into what's called operational and so it's just a higher ranking basically but with dot that there's so much growth and the fact that i can easily transfer out anywhere in the state so mm-hmm. if you know once my fiance finishes school and we already want to move i can easily transfer out i just have to put in an application and you know go through the whole process again but by then i'll already have that experience and that training and we'll it will make it much easier and so just moving on up from there there's so many there's so much growth in the dot and i see i see a lot of potential there um, with me during the future wonderful so speaking of the future what do you see yourself doing in about three to five years the same thing (laughs) the same (laughs) thing hopefully by then i'll be driving the big trucks and right on um yeah and hopefully by then married um we'll be able to get married officially and oh, wonderful. congratulations and yeah. start a bigger family. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, what advice do you have for trio students that are either upward bound talent search, educational opportunity centers, whether they're pre-college or in college, or maybe they're kind of in the decision process. What advice do you have for them? I would say don't get discouraged. Um, you're barely starting out. You're not going to have it figured out right away. You could possibly go for, a career immediately as you start and then further down the road it's just not something that you start yourself doing and it's okay to change your degree if you try to go get your bachelor's in one area and then you go back for a master's in something else that's that's okay i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm still figuring it out i'm 27 years old <laughs> i may You're pick young, something young. else in, yeah i may pick something in the next five years who knows but uh, regardless, you never stop growing. You never stop learning. It, it never ends. You're going to keep learning and don't let anybody get in your way of accomplishing what it is that you truly want to do with your life. Um, the only person that has your back 100% is yourself. And, you know, you have one life. And for that life, you have to live it to the full of your benefits. Honestly, you got to live happily. Absolutely. Wonderful advice. What is something that you would like to say to trio professionals? If you could, if you had all the trio professionals in one room and they were just like looking at you as like a trio student, right? What would you say to them? I would say don't discourage your students if you notice that some of them are much different than the others. Everybody's struggles are different. Some students have learning disabilities and they will require more help than others and that's okay Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that um always reach out even though some students won't open up if you notice something that's off reach out regardless even if the student doesn't speak up no knowing that a teacher notices that something's off and you didn't expect it 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 does a lot you know it it makes it makes you feel it makes the students feel seen and it makes them feel heard, not ignored. I, with my personal experience, I wish I would have been told this as a, you know, and if I was able to go back and tell my younger self, that's exactly what I would tell myself is, yeah. you know, everything's going to be okay. And the fact that if I didn't have that same output with my instructors, I would hope that for other students, they will. Wonderful. What are some books movies, podcasts, music, or other forms of entertainment you would like to recommend to the audience? Oh, man, I can't tell you about a book. I don't read books. <laughs> with, <laughs> with my ADHD, with my ADHD I, I just can't. Like, I've tried reading books, 
I yeah. really have. Yeah. I've given it a try, but it's very frustrating reading a paragraph and not knowing what the heck I just read and having to go back and go back and go back. Now, if they have pictures, that's a different story. But okay, yeah, well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not gonna go there with the books. So <laughs> nothing on the books. But <laughs> but podcasts. Okay, I'm a true crime. Oh, another true crimer, right over yes. here, right on. So yes, and I'll, I'm gonna say the same podcast that Jasmine said because we both <laughs> discovered the podcast together. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, yeah. It's called Morbid Podcast. Yeah. It, and I've heard like other true crime, like I've heard crime junkie, but morbid. I don't know. It's just the way that these two uh, women like perfect their podcasts are talking their sarcasm. Wow. It just, I, I, it catches my attention more. I, the other episodes from other podcast people, it never caught my attention at all, but mm -hmm. yeah, I would say morbid podcast. If you're a true crime person, they give the best and it's, they they go detail by detail so it's great um for tv shows i would say again true crime i i love documentaries <laughs> there's one in particular that my fiance and i were binging like morning day and night and really? yeah it's called evil lives here and i don't i think it was on hbo max so it talks about you know serial killers or killer uh people that have killed and Usually in documentaries or in podcasts, you will hear about the victim's story or like the victim's background, but mm -hmm. also the perpetrator and what happened there. Mm -hmm. But on Evil Lives Here, it talks about the family members and like siblings or partners that were with the serial killer mm -hmm. and their experience with wow. living with them. And so that one was crazy because... You can have like a mother, a father, siblings, a girlfriend, children, mm -hmm. and talking about like someone in their family and what their childhood looked like, trying to see what signs were there before they committed the act. Mm -hmm. And it's a great, great, great documentary. I recommend wow. everybody to go watch it. It's it's awesome. Music wise, um, honestly, I'm very, I'm very basic. I don't I'll listen <laughs> Why to Why would you say country. basic though? <laughs> because i don't i feel like not many people listen to the kind of music that i listen to like okay. my fiance okay. and i have different tastes in music entirely <laughs> i was never into country i never mm. listened to country mm -hmm. and she does so uh, she got me into it okay i was okay. like oh, okay it's not that's not that bad but i literally grew up listening to like reggaeton like that was all i ever listened to like mm. growing up with daddy yankee don omar all of them and now, like, I still listen to them, like, the classic reggaeton, but I like the Latino trap, too, Bad Bunny. Right yeah, and then it, when I go to the gym, just heavy metal. Strictly heavy metal. Heavy metal. Okay. Did any of yeah. uh, Jasmine's influence on you for music uh, rub off the emo face? Oh, heck, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, when we were in high school, she would just play her guitar over and over and over and just sing songs and the same songs from her favorite band. Mm -hmm, and at mm -hmm. the time, like, I was just over it. I would just tell her to shut up. But now, like, I'll, <laughs> I'll tell her, I say, hey, dude, like, I came across this band. Do you know what this band is? And... I'll tell her to listen to them. Same as her husband, because her husband's also like a metal uh, rock freak. Mm. So yeah, like well, well, she had a big influence on me when it came when it came to heavy metal. That's awesome. <laughs> 
So Josiah, what is one word you would use to describe yourself? Only one word out of the entire words that exist in the lexicon. What is one word that you would use that like you would say that that's me? I would say courageous. I love that. Yeah. So we're going to use that. I, yeah. We're going to use that yeah. as, as the title of your podcast for the episode. We're going to say courageous. Yeah, that, that works, man. That works. <laughs> I love it. Josiah, it has been a true pleasure to have you on this podcast to speak with you for the time that we had uh, and to share your trio journey, your personal journey, your academic journey. Um, we should do a follow-up episode soon uh, to see how things are going. Uh, so also oh, to let you know, this should be epi- this should be season six for us. So you, you'd be opening up season six for Let's Talk Trio. Oh, heck yeah. I'm down. I, I, I enjoy talking. Um, just like Jasmine, we... We can talk all day, all night long. (laughs) (laughs) Josiah, we have a tradition on the Let's Talk Trio podcast where we have the guests sign off. Do you care to do the honors? Yeah, of course. Hi, this is Josiah Davila, and I am a Trio Upper Bound alum from Eastern New Mexico University, Roswell. I have attained an associate's degree in occupational therapy from ENMUR, and now I am working as a heavy maintenance in the DOT for this day. And also, Trio works. That was our guest, Josiah Davila, from the ENMU Roswell Trio Talent Search and Upward Bound Programs alumni. Josiah, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for sharing your trio journey. Remember, if you would like to be on the Let's Talk Trio podcast or know a staff, advocate, participant, or alumni, send us an email at letstalktrio at gmail.com. That email again is L-E-T-S-T-A-L-K-T-R-I-O at gmail.com. A huge thanks to our sponsors, Angelica Villalpando, Dr. Jamie Motley, Dr. Ryan Barone, Angelica Valdez, Dr. Jeff Naputi, Rosario Riley, Felicia Rivera, TrioJobList.com, Jaded Electronics, Nosotros Education Center, Cambridge Educational Services, and Student Access. Thank you all so much for your continued support of this podcast. You too can sponsor the Let's Talk Trio podcast in one of three ways. Become a monthly patron on Patreon. Our base level starts at a dollar a month. Become a corporate sponsor by placing an ad on the podcast. Email us for details. Become a supporter with a one-time donation to the podcast PayPal account. Our business handle is at Let's Talk Trio. I'd like to take a moment to thank our honorary members of the Let's Talk Trio podcast, Roderick Chambers, Tony Ho, Scott Kendall, and Susan Cramp. The Let's Talk Trio podcast team is John Russell, audio engineer, music producer and composer, and post-production editor. Amelia Castañeda, script supervisor, marketing manager, social media manager, and producer. Juan Rivas, executive producer and host. This episode was recorded November 7th, 2023. We are in an election year. I urge our listeners to always exercise their right to vote. Thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode.